0: Hello listeners, and welcome to Shattering Superstructure, a podcast that breaks through the majority opinion and mainstream culture. I'm your host, Alex Arabian, a journalist who explores the value of art for the sake of art. In these interviews, in which I'll have occasional co-hosts, there will be no scoops, no juicy bits, and no hidden agendas, just a safe space in which one can think as one wishes and say what one thinks. And on that note, let's get to the episode. Thank you for listening. Welcome back, listeners. In this episode of Shattering Superstructure, we have the one and only Jane Campion, who had immense success with her latest film, The Power of the Dog, becoming the first woman to... Not only be nominated for two best directing awards at the Oscars, but to win two. And her cast in the film also got recognized with nominations. It's a really interesting conversation. She talks about what elements uh, she wanted to capture from the adaptation. Uh, and also, she sort of breaks down what intrigued her including the unique portrayal of masculinity in the film and she also spoke about kind of the myth of the American cowboy and the West in general um, that's often been uh, glamorized and sort of uh, misrepresented in in history throughout film it's it's a uniquely almost film creation for the medium the the sort of rugged individual um and the very manly cowboy um believe it or not uh cowboys back then uh were called cattle herders and they were nothing like the cowboys that you see in the films uh throughout the history of hollywood Uh, jane also discusses the popularity of bronco henry she talks about the piano she talks about uh how She couldn't see herself doing a big budget sort of action or superhero movie, but uh, definitely applauds her peers such as Taika Waititi for for doing it and especially Benedict Cumberbatch uh, who stars in the film for being able to act in both genres, you know, a quiet, intimate movie like The Power of the Dog as well as the playing Doctor Strange in the Avengers franchise. So it's, uh, you know, very cool and enriching uh, conversation to listen to with Jane Campion, one of the masters of cinema. And without further ado, here's the episode. Thanks, listeners. Hi, Jane. Congratulations on all the success of The Power of the Dog. That was amazing.
1: Amazing!
0: And you know, the Academy also recognized your cast in the film, which is also phenomenal and and always great to see. I I was full
1: of gratitude to the Academy for recognizing so many of my colleagues and uh, people who worked on this film, and for the film itself, because I think it, I mean, it is a um, complicated, deep film, and um, I'm really grateful that people have embraced that aspect of it and, and, and enjoyed its, its uh, depth and complexity, as, as well as the fact that it's a kind of, you know, um, it's a kind of, kind of pot quality
0: to it yeah yeah no it, it, and you know it, the Academy you know it, it recognized your excellent screenplay as well um, and
1: I'm really thrilled about that because writing means a lot to me yeah um, it's it's a, it's something that you know I've done all my career and I'm looking on this one I felt like I you know, all the writing I did for the Top of the Lake when I was doing that TV series, I really felt that I'd learned something
0: and I did, a, I did a faster and a better job than normal. Okay, so this, this, this screenplay um, was a bit faster than, than you usually um, tackle screenplays or, or films.
1: Yeah, I think that it does make a difference to, to, to keep writing, to do it a lot. Um, those muscles really improved with work, and I also think, well, working with a book that I believed in so much as this one, and was I was able to sort of like really trust his vision of the world because I knew he'd lived it. You know that he had lived on that ranch and he was, he did know a man like um, Phil, and had had some of the experiences that Peter had, you know, with the bullying and things. So. I felt like I could really trust it. And, you know, like my job was to not just faithfully do it, but to translate it for film, because, you know, obviously a lot of stuff happens in people's heads and there's a lot of backstory in in it that um, wasn't going to work in a tighter version, like a two hour version for the film. So, um, yeah, There was decisions to make, but you know, it was working on the back of something I totally trusted. So you're sort of up on the ladder, knowing it's not going to break on you,
0: you know, right? Um, and you know, it, it was this is 28 years, I think, since uh, your last nomination uh, for the piano, the last win. It feels like longer, it
1: was like 93, <laughs> wasn't it? So, yeah. Yeah, 30
0: years. So. Right, right, almost 30. Um, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so it's, it's, um,
1: this is, this is a year of the awards. But, I mean, I haven't really won that many awards since the piano, even though I kept making things. And oh, I did, I got into the festival. really
0: gratifying, I guess, to, you know, be out in the desert with it, to have a comeback like this. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, um, you know, I, I would say like, whereas this film examines power dynamics and sort of taking advantage of, of, of trust and sexuality, I think the piano analyzes, um, Starcraft lovers, uh, budding romance, and um, sort of uh, sex. Um, I, I, no, would, I think, I think yeah.
1: you know, if I might say more than that, I think it's really right. looking at very particularly from the female point of view in a way that really hadn't happened before. Um, and a particular woman that had felt that her voice was so uninteresting in a way that she didn't even want
0: to speak right right absolutely um
1: and and then it's with all the other things you were saying <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah 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 no that's that's a great point um wh- so what was the impetus of of the power of the dog a- and and what were the main elements he wanted to to capture and and the I, adaptation well
1: it's a great book but the, what i loved about it uh was that I think what an amazing portrait of masculinity it is Mm. um, told by Thomas Savage I think it's really subversive and that's what I found um, moving and interesting because he really peeled the onion of masculinity in a way and um, with the story of Phil and what we saw underneath it was vulnerability was yearning was fear was um, well, not all the trappings of the apparent dominating, you know, man, but almost the opposite. And I really love the story for, for that quality. Um, and also, I think his um, work with detail, which I love so much, like the tennis shoes and the, um, the dog and the hill and the comb and um, the rope, all, all these. Parts of the, you know objects and things that he used throughout the story um, as ways of telling the paper flowers. It just fell up my alley, um, but it just felt like a little piece of heaven for me.
0: <laughs> right, these these subtle and, you
1: know, and that's also against the amazing landscape um, of you know Montana, um, especially back in 1925
0: when there was. So much more emptiness in the landscape. Right. Yeah. There, there's so many beautiful, subtle mo- motifs, like you were saying, mm. A- and you know the the Montana landscapes. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Were duplicated by uh, the Otago, uh, New Zealand countryside. That's, uh, that's correct. Yeah, we n- used that
1: landscape. I mean, New Zealand really is a chameleon when it comes to um landscape it can you can find a piece of new zealand that could be almost anywhere right including or obviously switzerland
0: <laughs> um, yeah yeah no it, it it's absolutely uh, breathtaking um and that's a great way to put it chameleon um uh, so there there tends to be in this you know i think um is also a credit to uh, the wonderful cinematography, but there tends to be minimal lighting yeah. during the scenes of intimate, uh, both intimate, uh, intimidation, excuse me, and bonding between Phil and, and Rose and Phil and Peter. And it almost sig- uh, signifies sort of an ominous uh, foreshadowing. Um, was this uh, intentional?
1: Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it was always dreamed up like that. And, and I guess you're talking about the scenes in the barn. Uh, actually, those are the, some of the more heavily lit scenes because uh, even though when you're not using a lot of light, it's quite a lot of work to keep out the light and um, just have it exactly as you want so that you can just see the face or you know, have it, the feeling that it's lit by um, lantern light or candles.
0: Right, yeah. Um, and there are also long drawn out periods, um, between the characters that really do a great job of building tension. Um, and, you know, as a director, especially having made the piano with a mute character, um, with scenes that rely on face and body, um, do you think that scenes without traditional dialogue, um are just as important um, to the story as scenes definitely. with traditional dialogue? Yeah, yeah.
1: definitely. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, after the 10, I was really dying to do a project with a lot of dialogue, in it. and I didn't really realize until I started to get into it what I, how difficult it was going to be to be um, making or filming scenes where the other person doesn't say anything. So you know you cut into one person speaking, and then you cut into the next person. They're not talking. (laughs) Looking at what they're doing, sign language, um, which you can't understand anyway. So that was a challenge. But Holly's, I think it became so special because Holly is so expressive. Her eyes are incredible, and. You know, when I look back on the work that she has there, you know, I see it. And I, I mean, I'm just never sick of it. It's just so interesting. So, I really think there's no rule that um, I think dialogue scenes can be interesting. I mean, depending on the dialogue and depending on the intent of the scene. Like um, when you want tension, it's probably better to remove dialogue.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um and the, I think the film's title is is um you know kind of a a, a warning really. Um you know
1: I, I think so too, yeah.
0: Like how many people have we seen give in to their animalistic urges, you know, as if they shed their humanity. Um yeah so very beautifully put yeah so yeah, yeah. sorry go ahead
1: no i'm just saying that's very beautifully put.
0: oh uh, thank you i i, I think that appreciate it.
1: yeah i guess that's what the title is um pointing to yeah and I mean, it's very open you're not really going to quite say exactly what it is and even if you go back to the psalm that it came from the psalm is very difficult to interpret
0: Yeah, yeah, it's very open-ended. Yeah. And how was it directing your your four leads, who are amazingly all uh, nominated for Oscars? Um,
1: I know, that's a a really deep pleasure, and as a director, I guess, that's my greatest recommendation. (laughs) Um, Well, I chose them because I think they're all amazing actors, so it was a joy... A real joy to share the project with them, and um, you know, I think it. You know, like I feel like I just made friends with them. I really. I mean, everybody has comes to directing in a different way, um, but for me, it's, it's, it's complex and
0: various as you know, friendship. Right, right, and and Cody is phenomenal. You know, not only does he give yeah, a. Phenomenal. It's yeah, you know, not only does he give a career best, but he's just toe to toe with with Benedict and every in the scenes that they're in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what yeah. were what were your conversations with with him like with uh, surrounding his character and, and the dynamic there?
1: Um, I what I'm remembering now is like we had three weeks of rehearsal and the first week was really with, only with Cody and Benedict. And it was um, really fun to see the two of them bond and discover each other as um, actors and as humans. Um, you know, like I could see the the actual film happening, the way that um, Cody and, you know, because Cody and, and, I mean, Benedict didn't know each other obviously, and Benedict comes to the to the rehearsal as a really big actor um, with a lot of experience, and Cody comes as you know a pretty young person, you know. And in the end, I could hear them chuckling away and having fun, and uh, you know, thinking, "Oh, look, they're making friends; they really do like each other." And I and I think that helped me when I came to understand that actually, Phil and Peter really did make friends in a way. It's one of the painful parts for Peter, I guess, of having to dispose of Phil, that um, they actually cared about each other.
0: That, yeah, that they, they cared that, about each other.
1: Yeah, that, that, in a way that what was happening in the room was what was going to be happening in the film. And I think it helped me realize, oh, these two... They are going to be friends. They are friends right here now. You know, like, they're very different in every which way, like, in life. Right. But they're really enjoying each other.
0: Definitely. Yeah. No. Yeah. And, and, I, and I, many times, Enabic will come up to me and say, Jane, are you aware how
1: good he is? I hope you're aware how good he is. I hope you're <laughs> filming him right.
0: <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, this is a <laughs> this is a uh, a two part uh, question. Um, so you know, I think Bronco Henry, uh, the elusive character, became something of a Twitter sensation. Uh, <laughs> will we? <laughs> and I think you know, it's it's uh, this is kind of a goofy. Um, yeah, it's very fun. Uh, this is kind of a goofy first part. Uh, will we ever get a, a Bronco Henry uh, a spinoff? And then um, I think the second part is, um, um, would you ever put your, your own spin on a, a franchise blockbuster or, or superhero film?
1: <laughs> um, well, I don't think I'll be doing the Bronco Henry spin off but <laughs> I, I think it's something sounds like really gooky that um, you know, maybe people that love the Bronco Henry idea could do. They've already um we already started a competition for ideas about what Bronco Henry might look like and we had some vote winners. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um yeah, for my idea of You mean like a Marvel movie?
0: Yeah, or
1: yeah. The big franchise films. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like I marvel at what they do. I just don't understand how they do it. I don't think I would do a very good job for that reason. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't see myself doing that, and nobody's ever asked me, so I think we must have an understanding. And, you know, going back to the Marvel thing, I think, you know, like I look at Ben and Benedict as an actor, he's able to do it. You know, he's able to work both in straight drama and also in the Marvel universe, but, you know, and you know, I'm pretty
0: impressed that he can do that. Right. But, you know, I think it might be easier as as an actor maybe than it is as a director, you know, because you're running, yeah. you're running the whole show, so... So they, they, a lot of those directors get a little
1: bit
0: stuck in that world, you
1: know. True, true. Yeah, they can get. Uh, the, the, uh, maybe they, maybe they don't. I mean, yeah. Yeah.
0: Taika, well, if you know, to do a bit of both, yeah. Yeah, or like the di- the director. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the director's version of, of typecasting, I, I guess, getting typecast. No, take He's definitely uh, he's,
1: he's a phenomenon. He's a
0: phenomenon. <laughs> right. Right. He, he's a, uh, he's an acrobat. Yeah. Appreciate your time, Jane and congratulations again. And uh, yeah, have a great rest of your day. Um, take care. Thank you. All right. You too. Bye. And that's a wrap on the Jane Campion episode of shattering superstructure. You heard it straight from the horse's mouth. I know, I know, cheesy joke, but uh, this was a, a really fun interview to do and really enlightening to get a glimpse into uh, Jane's filmmaking process and sort of uh, her screenwriting process as well. Which, as you heard, she she really holds dear uh, to her heart um, writing. Uh, you know, as as you know, she does it all. Um, she's currently. Uh, doing a pop-up film school right now. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really wonderful, um, to see someone stick to their vision and, um, not stray from that throughout their career and their, you know, their artistry and why they got into the industry in the first place. Um, and, and, so I think that Jane has some really important things to say not only about filmmaking but about really important themes surrounding masculinity about uh the nature of the blockbuster um and you know about the issues that she likes to focus on um so th- this was uh you know, so well deserved her, her win last year. And I cannot wait to see what she does next. Thanks again for listening to Shattering Superstructure. And this is Alex signing off.